another Coaching You Basketball podcast with the coach, Brendan Sir. And we're so excited today to have uh, Eric Musselman. Eric, uh, you're going to really enjoy. Eric and I worked together with the Orlando Magic as assistants to the great Chuck Daly. And uh, we've been coached against each other in the CBA and have been friends for, you know, 20 plus years. Uh, one of the really, really terrific coaches in the country had left LSU. I took his spot at LSU and he's going on to University of Nevada in Reno, Nevada, and has just crushed it for two years. And, uh, and uh, he's really just, I think, one of the most outstanding coaches in the country incredible professional basketball background which is I think serving him so well at the collegiate level so you're going to really get enjoy listening to Eric and now Eric Musselman hey let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners Dr. Dish Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market today. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high-repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and to provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind of basketball shooting industry that enables coaches and players to stay connected, design and upload training exercises that combine shooting, conditioning, and ball handling into one complete workout, and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is without question the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. It's been the official shooting machine of Coaching You for the last two years. To learn more about Dr. Dish, log on to drdishbasketball.com or follow them on Twitter at drdishbball. Our friends at Crossover want to help you coach smarter and win more games. They'll cut and tag your game film for you, giving you back interactive shot charts, searchable clips, and advanced statistics in just 12 hours. Stop wasting time in the film room doing all that tedious prep work. Simply log in and start getting powerful analysis straight from your video. Even if you think you already know what these guys are all about, I suggest you take another look. Their new insights, features, create hexpin charts and shooting efficiency reports for you and your opponents. Something you're not going to get with Huddle or anybody else. Get the boys and girls teams on board and you'll both save 10%. Add on football, volleyball, lacrosse, hockey or soccer and your savings go up from there. Sign up at www.crossover.com forward slash coaching you to receive one free game. That's crossover with a K dot com slash coaching you to get one free game. Fast Model Sports is the world's most versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. Fast Model has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software, FastDraw. FastDraw bridges the gap between whiteboarding and the digital world with an incredibly easy-to-use interface that can be used on both your computer and your iPad, providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. doesn't stop there. Along with FastDraw, they have other great programs such as FastScout, which I have used, which helps coaches create clean professional scouting reports customized for your team. 
Fast Model is trusted and used by every NBA team and WNBA team and 85% of Division I college teams and over 8,000 high school and youth teams from over 75 countries around the world. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 5,000 free plays and drills for their online coaching community. For access to these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. My guest today is of someone that I've worked with, coached with and against, and uh, regard very, very highly as one of the best basketball minds in the country. Eric Musselman, my friend, we spoke two years ago when you took this job, and it brought you good luck. So I'm here to bring you more good luck by doing this again. We're going to do these once a week, Brennan. <laughs> well, I, I, I put... Dupree out there, Johnny Jones. So those guys will be intermediaries till we talk each week. But uh, <laughs> you know, but uh, you know, hey, uh, congrats on another great year at, at Nevada. No thanks. We, uh, you know, our, the interesting thing is our our team uh, each year in the two years that we've been here have kind of gotten better as the season progressed, and and uh, we, you know, we attribute that to to our guys spending a lot of time in the gym on their own and off hours and. And certainly from where we began the season, uh, this year, Brendan, we, we got hammered in a secret scrimmage at Stanford, uh, opening game at St. Mary's. Uh, we didn't play very well. Um, and then those two losses, I felt really helped propel us, uh, to grab our team's attention on some of the areas that we were deficient in and allowed us to really coach them. I think it's a great debate as a college coach, E, uh, whether, to do secret scrimmages, which I'm an advocate of, and frankly, get your butt kicked, you know, uh, rather than these make-believe exhibition games against, you know, teams that, you know, have, you know, no players that you're going to play against all year, and you feel good that you won by 30, 40, 50 points, but it's, has it's you know you're better in inner squad scrimmage you know uh you know and i i th- i applaud you for doing that i i you know and i i think there's uh ev- everyone has their own style and what they want to do but i think there's so much merit to that uh you know in doing that i i think if your program grows and and you have incredible attendance like duke you know they can play two division threes it doesn't really matter but for a lot of us i think uh it's better to really take a temperature of where your program is no question. And I also think that, you know, one of the benefits to the secret scrimmages is, you know, film doesn't get out or isn't mm-hmm. supposed to get out. And, and when you play an exhibition game, obviously, uh, people can, can get a heads up on you, for, you know, in your first right. couple games, they get an extra look at you. And so uh, for those reasons, I think it's good. And then if you have a relationship with the uh, coach that you're doing the secret scrimmage with, you can kind of alter it and you can say hey let's work on uh, 10 baseline out of bounds plays here uh, both offensively and defensively or it could be side out or it could sure. be uh, late game situations and I think that you, you can really tinker with things and you can play an extra quarter to give your walk-ons uh, extra reps and so forth so I think I do think there is a lot of great advantages to doing it that way. Eric you have so much experience in pro basketball uh, your whole life and then kind of come late to the college game. Talk about that adjustment. 
Well, you know, the, the best thing about the adjustment from going um, from pro basketball to college is I knew what I didn't know, uh, meaning that I had to go become an assistant coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that I thought deep in my heart that I needed to, uh, but my brain was telling me that I needed to because I didn't know the recruiting aspect of it. And so two years at Arizona State and then the pivotal year was going to LSU uh, and working for Johnny Jones and, and really learning the ins and outs of the recruiting uh, game and, and to be around a great X and O coach like Johnny. So that that really changed me. And then the name brand of LSU uh, put me in uh, the, the ballpark uh, to interview with places. And, I, and, and I, so I think there's a lot of factors uh, in becoming a head coach. And, and to my knowledge, I don't know if there has been a former NBA head coach go and be an assistant coach in college. And so I kind of took a unique route, um, but it was a route that I think really prepared me and it allowed me three years to sit back, learn, uh, prepare my interview books on on recruiting and, and what I wanted to do from an academic standpoint with the, with the student athletes, what practice plans would look like, um, even down to the detail of what a foreign tour you would look for in a foreign tour. So all those type of things uh, really, really uh, helped to become an assistant coach. What did you learn your very first year at Nevada that you didn't know being an assistant for three years? Is there anything I think, that jumped uh, out at you? Yeah, I think the time demand um, of, of, of how your time can get pulled uh, whether it's with compliance meetings or academic meetings. Um, and so I learned really quickly, um, you know, you also have to promote your program. For instance, when we came in, uh, we were coming off a nine-win season, and there was a lot of apathy, um, you know, surrounding the, the program. And um, so so just generating interest and, and trying to create enthusiasm in your own building uh, a lot of things um, that I knew kind of took place, but until you're going through it, uh, your time constraints, unlike the NBA where everything's basketball, 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 um, you've got to not only do these other areas outside of basketball, but you've got to love doing them. You've got to love promoting your program or you're not going to be able to promote it well enough. And And so all those things – um, you know, for instance, last night I drove an hour outside of Reno to go to a city called Minden, and, and we had a group of 38 people that we spoke to in a, in a coach's caravan. And those things are necessary if you really want to ha- build your program up uh, to the level that it's capable of. Did you bring the coach, Johnny Jones, with you? I, no, we let Coach Jones continue to try to get comfortable in his surroundings here in Reno. So he was let off the hook last yeah, night. Yeah, because I, I, you know, <laughs> he used to give me a lot of speaking things, all the ones that didn't get paid. So he needs a payback. No, but he <laughs> one, of the, one of the things I love about Johnny is he's a fabulous speaker and he's terrific in front of groups. So uh, he's a great addition to your program. Well, give me your thinking on uh, hiring uh, a dear friend of both of ours in Johnny Jones, who's just one of the real I never knew coach before I came to work for him. And uh, I think you were in the same boat, right? Pretty much. Did not know Coach right. Jones at all. And it was really unique when I went to um, to join Coach Jones at, at, at LSU because I had an opportunity uh, to join the Timberwolves right. with Flip Saunders. 
Um, and Flip had, had played for my father in college and, and Flip and I had worked together. Um, and then our relationship kind of went in two different directions for many years. Um, and then, uh, we had talked really for, for, for the two years prior to that time frame. And, uh, we had talked about me joining his staff and then he offered me a job and, and, uh, and David Patrick, who was an assistant at, at LSU is a good friend of mine and said, Hey, why don't you just come out? Just get on a plane. It'll take you one day to meet coach Jones and, um, having been on the, never been on the LSU campus and going on campus and meeting coach Jones and meeting his family. I felt like, you know what? I had made the decision to go the college route. And even though Minnesota would have been a great opportunity to get back to the NBA, uh, my family and I had made a decision that we wanted to, 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 to be in college basketball. And, and so we went to LSU and it's the best decision I ever made. Uh, and then to hire Johnny here, uh, it was really easy to want him to come. The hard part was how do I ask him? Because when you work for somebody, it's really sure. difficult, um, you know, to, to try to, you know, I, I don't want to insult somebody. I, sure. I feel he's a head coach, but he doesn't have that opportunity right now. How do I approach him? And so both of us kind of danced around the subject for a couple of weeks until finally, um, you know, I, I took his temperature to see if he'd want to come out and look at Nevada, just like he had me come out and look at LSU. And it's, it's, it's a good partnership, um, Brendan, because, uh, our families get along so well. Yep. Um, we're friends off the court. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's great trust. And, and, you know, as a 52 year old coach who's had a lot of head coaching jobs, the one thing that, um, that I, continue to learn is something I was told the very first time I got a head job, which was you've got to hire people, uh, a, that you, uh, trust, uh, and then B people that can help you. And, um, you know, we've, I feel like we've had great success here at Nevada. One of the areas I need to continue to get better at, uh, was putting a staff together and, and, um, you know, coach Dupree has done a great job as a former NBA player, um, as developing as a coach. And we, uh, we elevated our ops guy because he deserved it in Anthony Ruda. And so I think there's a lot of factors putting together a staff of elevating people that are in-house that do a good job so that all the other guys see that, hey, if we work hard, do the right thing, we got a chance to elevate up. Um, and then also I think it's important as a head coach that you have somebody sitting next to you uh, that has been in that chair and understands the pressures that you go through. And, and- – to be honest with you, you know, having been with Johnny, is that you know he's he's coaching some darn big games, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, forget NCAA tournament. I mean, just the idea of playing in this phenomenal SEC, you know, against Kentucky and teams of that caliber, you know, I mean, you know, every night it's like a mini NBA schedule. So, uh, you know, he's not at all intimidated by that. You know, I think the one of the really cool things about uh, working with Johnny is that I remember the first SEC game I ever coached with him was against Vanderbilt at Vanderbilt. And, uh, man, what a coach Kevin Stallings is. And I'm doing the prep for the game. And I said, this guy is something else, man. I said, wow, how the heck are we going to beat him? And uh, lo and behold, we go in there and just crush him. And after the game, I find out old Johnny Jones is beating Kevin Stallings five for five. 
How I about think that? you're right, Brendan. I know, I'm five for five. And he didn't exactly give, he gave Johnny a little, your favorite walk by, you know, he gave a little walk by handshake <laughs> after the game. And I said, well, what happened there? <laughs> and, and, uh, and that was a little five for five. So, wow. So, you know, but Johnny is a, is, is a treasure in our game, one of the best out there. And uh, I think it's just a super addition to you and Ronald. Uh, I love Ronald and, he was going to be a star if he went to the NBA or, or went to college. And I think so you've got absolutely two super guys that are going to really help you. And I've heard only great things about Ruta and, and stuff. And we know Hayes is, as a GA uh, is just terrific. So you got the whole gamut covered there and stuff. Let me ask you this, Eric. Uh, you come off an incredible season winning a freaking ton of games and, you know, getting a rough matchup in the NCAA tournament. I mean, it was one of the toughest first-round matchups against Iowa State. You know, it really almost wasn't fair to two teams were too good to match up, I felt. Uh, you know, again, uh, in my opinion, you're not saying it, terrible seeding by the committee, uh, which they had several, I thought, this year. Uh, your team was good. They were good enough to win a, a first-round game. How's your team look this year? year? Well, I think one, Brendan, you're exactly right. I mean, when when the you know when the when we were sitting on selection <laughs> Sunday, you know everybody goes crazy when you see your name. But I did go back and, and when we went back to the office and watched film, uh, I felt it was a really difficult matchup. And we knew like University of Minnesota was a 12 seed, and we were kind of hoping to get a matchup uh, a little bit more uh, like that because we just couldn't. Uh, the size of the guards at, at Iowa State, and mainly the experience of Iowa sure. State, because they had so many experienced guys. But, you know, we now as a group, uh, we've got to go into this off offseason. Um, once our guys come back from summer school, we, we, we have a target on our back. And, and uh, so it's a little bit different. Year one, uh, we won some games because people, quite frankly, weren't ready to play against us and, and didn't respect us. And then in year two, we had a little bit of respect um, but still not the team in the league or uh, one of the top two or three teams looked at. Um, and now, you know, now the, 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 you know, the pendulum's changed. And so our players have to understand there's a great responsibility uh, when people respect you on a nightly basis. And, and uh, so we're going to have to have a better off season than we've had in years one and two. Our guys have got to understand that. We're a different team. We lo lose our top three scores, uh, but we had four guys that, that were sitting out that, that all come from uh, Power 5 schools and Caleb and Cody Martin from NC State, Kendall Stevens from Purdue, and uh, an Iowa State transfer, and, and uh, Hallis Cook. And, and so we need those four guys to really step up and, 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 and play a prominent role for us. And then we need our other players uh, that are coming back to continue to grow. Uh, Lindsey Drew will be a three-year starter um, this upcoming season, we need Lindsay to continue and improve as a shooter. He's one of the better defenders on the West Coast. Uh, but really, from now until opening night, it's all about player development and how serious we take that, uh, both individually and as a team. Uh, you have a little uh, advantage, I'll say, uh, with altitude in Reno, correct? We have a we have an advantage. Brendan, really non-league because we're at about 5,000 feet. Um, but the interesting thing is when we go on the road in our league, Air Force is a higher altitude. Right. Colorado State's slightly higher. Wyoming <laughs> is definitely higher. Yeah. You know, the one place that's that, that 
has the disadvantage and it sure hasn't shown on the road has been Steve Fisher's San Diego San Diego State because right. they've dominated. They're the below league. sea level and, and they go and kick your butt. <laughs> There's the one team that's below sea level. How about that? Isn't that crazy? I, I, I know it, you know, you know, when we went in the NBA and we'd go play in Utah or Denver, you know, your guys are like, you know, you know, they, they can't handle it and stuff, but I didn't even think about it, about that. So much of your conference is like that. How has it been adjusting to the Mountain West as opposed to the SEC and the Pac-12, I guess? You know, I think the big thing really is just the travel is so much different. The great thing for me is having been in the D-League and the old CBA and the USBL, I'm used to long bus rides. Mm -hmm. Um, So the travel and taking multiple flights, that's the biggest difference is obviously in the SEC, you're chartering every flight and in the Pac-12 you're chartering a handful of flights and the ones that you're not chartering are all direct flights. You know, if you're in a place like, uh, you know, Phoenix and uh, with Arizona state, you're taking a direct flight to LA to play UCLA and USC. And you're taking, you know, a direct flight to, to, to Seattle to play Washington and so forth. But um, in the mountain West, we do uh, have some multiple stops. Um, I'm used to it. I don't complain about it. Um, the one great thing about the Mountain West is the venues we play in are really, really good. I look at them no different than Power Five venues, and the mm-hmm. crowds we play at uh, on the road are phenomenal. I mean, yeah. you go to Utah State, they just have a great, great student section, and uh, San Diego State's uh, enthusiasm in their building is is second to none and, and one of the best attended uh, arenas in all of the West Coast. So, we have some great places to play at, um, and, and it's a really, really well-coached league. I think for many years uh, it's been known as a coach's league, and, great. and um, you know, it continues to be that way. Well, uh, how would you describe with the new guys, what's your style of play going to be like? Well, you know, that's one of the things, Brendan, that we talk about every day, and, and, and I have a, a desk full of a – whole bunch of notes on you know what do we want to do we've we've basically played pick and roll two ways for two full years we've either hard showed or switched and we we haven't deviated on that Mm -hmm. one iota um i think that we'll probably do the same um although we might look to switch a lot more because we our guards are now six foot seven as opposed to six three at the off guard spot um, but we're trying to tinker with different things. Um, we we have not post trapped at all since we've been here. We've we've uh, fronted the post, and if we got caught behind, we just tried to wall up and stay between the rim and the man. And uh, we might look at trapping the post a lot more now um, because uh, we've gained size at the two and the three spot. Um, four spot stays the same, but at our center spot, we're, we, we could actually play a lot smaller than we have been. So uh, it'll be our job as a staff to try to figure out what our team does best, um, especially in post defense. Highly recommend that because I just find that, the you know, you know, kids can't pass the ball out of the post. And uh, we even saw in the NBA in the playoffs, we saw Golden State trapping LaMarcus Aldridge. Guy became incredibly inefficient you know you, you know and look like a uh, you know second third year player and uh, you know and this is a guy that's making 15 million dollars and uh, you know it's just hard to believe that that happens but i 
I just think when you have to make people do things they don't want to do, it can really be bothersome. And I think you're right on the switching. I think it's a huge problem. And Editor Messina was telling us on a podcast recently that, you know, teams like Golden State, they're now doing what they call triple switches. They're switching onto the ball handler, and then the next big is switching onto the guy rolling. And uh, they call it a triple switch in the NBA now, Eric. And so, uh, you know, and I, <laughs> I, I, I said, wow. And so, you know, he says it's really a problem. And uh, teams like Golden State, their defense is just amazing even almost some nights more impressive than their offense. So I think you're you're right into it. And I think it's important that you keep uh, looking at, you know, all those things each year. And I think it's one of the things that a lot of college coaches don't do. You know, they don't keep changing and keep adjusting and innovating. And you know and I know that in the NBA, you have to do that or you're in trouble. I mean, I think you've got to continue to tinker and, and alter and get better and, and – fit the style of play with what your roster is. Because again, uh, for instance, with us, three leading scores gone, different size at the off guard. Uh, we had a center last year and Cam Oliver, who was a good three point shooter. Good we might not have that this year. So everything's got to change and you've got to tinker and you've got to evolve and you've got to pick people's brains and all the, those things. Uh, if we just roll out with the same offense we had and the same defense we had, uh, we're not going to be successful because other people in our conferences are going to be getting better. Well, you know, I, I think uh, you're going to have a lot of fun, A, with new team. Uh, and I also like some of the things you're doing in recruiting. I really like the idea of, uh, you know, I think the transfer thing, uh, getting kids, I think is brilliant because I find, and again, I'm like you. I'm a pro guy coming to college and I'm just observing, but I see, I see that, uh, if you have 13 kids coming from high school, they all think they should be playing, uh, and it can't play 13 players. And now all of a sudden, if you've got some guys sitting out, they're like practicing for you and developing, and they're really good players, and they're developing your guys, and they're better because they're not freshmen. Uh, and now by the time they're ready to be eligible, they're ready to play too. I, I, I just think it's a really great thought. You know, what we've done in, in our uh, staff meetings, Brendan, is we kind of we, we, we put our GM hats on and, mm-hmm. and we actually talk about transfers as being free agents. Um, mm-hmm. And then we talk about our uh, incoming freshmen or when we're recruiting guys, Draft we label them. Are they lottery pick? <laughs> is it a mid-first round? Is the kid a mid-second Um and that's kind of how the terminology we use. Um, and then same thing in the, in the transfer market. You know, we look at a guy like, is, is, is he a mid-level player uh, or is he a max guy? Because wow. um, we feel like we either need one max guy um, using NBA terminology or we need one lottery pick. Probably need one of each yeah. or two, a combination of both in order to win a conference. Well, I th- I, you know, and what you've done is you, you right there is, and this is something to encourage all coaches to do is you have to develop a language for your staff that fits your staff. It doesn't matter if anyone else knows what the hell you're talking about that. I love that because that is the language you're most comfortable with and it means something to you. I think that's brilliant, Eric. Well, I'm not sure everybody on our staff 
in the past has understood it, but I I certainly understand well, it. Well, well, <laughs> well, Dupree's pissed because you know he won a lottery pick. That's why you know. But other, <laughs> and Eric, hey, I, you know, hey, I can't thank you enough for doing this. Uh, you know, coaches around the country. The last time we did this, they love your enthusiasm. They love your knowledge, and I most of all love your friendship. Uh, I can't wish you and your staff, especially Johnny and Ron, uh, any more luck than I can. Uh, I just want you guys to be terrific, have a great season, and I can't wait to catch up with you in the summer. That sounds great, Brendan. And the greatest thing about coaching is when you do have friendships like you and I do. And and to me, that's the greatest gift of, of what we do is to, is to have friendships and doing something like this with you, a podcast. I, don't, I didn't even know we were really – doing anything other than just two friends uh, rapping and having conversations. Well, so we are. I really appreciate you having me on. Well, I love you, brother, and you're special. And thanks so much for doing this. Thanks, Brendan. 